Hi, this is Steve Robbins of steverobbins.com, and I'm here today interviewing Sam Horn, the author of Got Your Attention, a book on how to grab your audience's attention in the first few seconds and hold it so they hear your entire message. I've known Sam for several years, and one of the most incredible qualities that she has is the ability to get to the heart of what someone needs to communicate, and not only co help them communicate it well, but help them communicate it in a way that is super memorable and really just like, like pops. In fact, she has a book <laughs> called <laughs> How to Make Your Ideas Pop. Um, Sam, welcome. Thanks so much, Steve. I've been looking forward to sharing some ideas with our listeners. One of the first things that you talk about in your, or not the first things, but one of the first things that's really, really struck me in your book, everyone that I know says you need to know your elevator pitch. You need to be able to convey your value in, you know, 15 seconds, the time it takes to go from floor one to floor three. Now, I'm the get it done guy. I'm always thinking, well, if that's, if that's how you have to convey your value, just hit the stop, emergency stop button. Now you have all the time in the world you need. You, on the other hand, are saying, even if you're in a teleporter, you need to be able to convey your value and an elevator speech won't do it. What should we do instead? Why not? Tell us. Good. Well, Steve, I'm so glad you brought that up because the first thing, who likes to listen to a speech? So let's get rid of this whole idea of an elevator speech that's top-down, one-way communication. It makes us a bore, snore, or a chore. So here's what we do instead. We follow Diane Keaton's advice. She was asked what she's learned here in her 60s, and she said, you know what I learned? It's not about me. It's never been about me. <laughs> so here's what we do instead. I was doing a session on how to turn an elevator speech or pitch into an elevator connection. So 60 second story. Here's Colleen, Entrepreneur of the Year. I said, Colleen, what do you do? Wah, 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 wah. Stever, 60 seconds later, no one in the room knew what she did and she was the CEO. Think of the lost opportunity cost. So I asked her, instead of telling people what you do, here's a question. What are the results of what you do that people see or smell or taste or touch something they've experienced? And she thought about it and she said, oh, well, I run the medical facilities that have MRIs and CAT scans. I said, don't tell people that one-way communication. Turn it into a three-part question. Have you, a friend or family member, Ever had an MRI or CAT scan? Stop talking. They're going to give you free information. They're going to say, well, I haven't, but my daughter hurt her knee playing soccer. She had an MRI. Now just link what you do to what they just said. Oh, well, I run the medical facilities that offer MRIs like the one your daughter had. Do you see how connection in 30 seconds, because we asked instead of told, we gave them an opportunity to say something, so it's a two-way conversation, and we just confirm that commonality. We've got a connection in 30 seconds. So how do I figure out, let's say, let's say for example, in my, my sort of current previous career, I was an executive coach. Mm -hmm. And how do I figure out, because what I do is so nebulous, how do I figure out what the tangible thing is? Because I can't say, oh, I run an, uh, an MRI center. So it's yeah. a little bit... That's exactly right. And yet, Stever, as you said, if we tell people, what do you do? I'm a coach. Oh, end of the conversation, right? Yeah. We, we don't want to end the conversation. We want to kickstart the conversation. 
So put yourself in the shoes of your target customers. Now, what do they say when they're lying at bed at night and they can't sleep? What do they say is like, why am I working 80 hours a week and I'm still not making any money? Or, you know, why is it that I'm really good at what I do and yet I can't find paying clients? Or why is it that, you know, I'm at this stage of my life and I'm still unhappy? Guess what? Do you know anyone, could be yourself or friend or family member, who's putting in a lot of hours and they're still not making the money they want or as happy as they want? Stop talking. They're going to say, well, that would be me. <laughs> or they would say, that's my, my brother Joe. He's complaining all the time. And then you see, oh, well, I help people like your brother Joe, you know, who really has something to offer. And for whatever reason, they're just not getting the traction they deserve. Bingo. You're off and running. Got it. Now, what if I'm an employee? Because both of those examples are really, you know, I'm representing the company. Colleen was representing the company. But I'm an accounts receivable clerk or, you know, or marketing manager, and I'm not really representing the whole company. What do? How do I find... Steve, I'm so glad you brought that up because a lot of companies actually hire me because they realize that every single one of their employees goes out into the community, whether it's at the bark park or whether it's a PTA meeting or whether it's uh, on a walk around the lake. And people say, what do you do? Oh, I work for I'm in finance. You know, lost opportunity. I work for a bank, lost opportunity. You know, I work at, I'm a retailer, lost opportunity. So here's what I suggest you do is that let's say you work for a bank. What is your bank known for? Are, is your bank known for free checking? Is your bank known for like actually being open from nine to six instead of bankers <laughs> hours? You know, what is your bank known for? And what is an experience you recently had with a, with a client? Let's just say many people think banks are impersonal these days. So maybe you say, do you know anyone who would still like to like walk into a bank sometime between nine and six and do business with an actual teller, you know, who knows their account instead of just doing everything online, you know, or do you know someone who would like a community bank that actually maybe would give them a loan if they need one or would help them make some financial decisions? So do you see what is it that you have to offer that people need or that they don't have or that they're upset about? Ask a question listen to what the person says, and then once again, link what it is you have to offer with what that person just said. This sounds like a great strategy, not just for CEOs and entrepreneurs and even employees. This sounds like a strategy that we should have for ourselves, for example, when job hunting. And someone says, oh, you're looking for a job as a marketing manager. Well, I've got 500 people who all say they're marketing managers. What makes you different? And you can say, well, have you have you or someone in your company, presumably, I don't know if it would be a friend or family thing, yes. ever needed someone who could explain a product in three sentences so that a customer absolutely got it? I give those explanations. Stever, you're quick. You're a quick study, Stever. In fact, I had an opportunity to hear Elon Musk, the founder of Tesla and SpaceX, speak at National Press Club. And as you know, one of my sons, Tom, works for NASA at Mission Control and Johnson Space Center. So I said, Tom, what shall I ask Elon Musk? He said, Mom, I work for the ISS, but a lot of my friends who worked on the shuttle have been laid off and they're applying to SpaceX. Ask Elon Musk how they can get an interview. So I got to ask that question and Steve, guess what he said? I, Don't. Yeah, I'm all ears. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Don't tell me about the positions you've held. 
tell me about the problems you've solved. So see, if you're one of 500 people applying to an organization, go onto their website the night before and find out what problems they're having or what good news they have or how they're expanding, what product they're launching. And then when they ask that question, we've got 500 people applying for this job, why should we hire you? Say, you know, I was on your website last night and I saw that you were expanding internationally. Well, if you're interested in someone who has international experience and who speaks three languages and has a proven track record of working with global teams, I'd love to talk with you. Do you see? Boom. You start with their needs first and you ask instead of tell. Now, once again, we got a dialogue instead of a monologue. Excellent. Now, something else that you said you talked about in your book, uh, which still has to do with asking, is, is a did you know technique. And could you explain what that is, what you use it for, etc.? Because I've already been using that and people are just like, oh, being they're hooked. <laughs> you're making my day, Steve. You know, have, have you been told to tell them what you're going to tell them and then tell them and then tell them what you told them? You know, God, that yes. Makes, <laughs> Everyone that, says that. Isn't that, that's infobesity, <laughs> you know? It's like that makes us a bore, chore, or snore. So as you just said, here's what we do instead. A 60-second example that I'm going to give everyone listening or watching an opportunity to apply it to their priority project. So I've got a client, good news, bad news. What's the good news? She is pitching to a room full of investors at the Paley Center in New York. What's the bad news? She's going at 2.30 in the afternoon. She only has 10 minutes. She said, I can't say anything in 10 minutes. Well, I said, you have to because you've got to get those eyebrows up in the first 60 seconds. Here's that opening, Stever. Did you know there are 1.8 billion vaccinations given every year? Did you know up to half of those are given with reused needles? Did you know we're spreading and perpetuating the very diseases we're trying to prevent? Imagine if there were a painless one-use needle for a fraction of the current cost. You don't have to imagine it. PharmaJet has made it, and she's off and running. See, are your eyebrows up, Stever? <laughs> they, well, they, they are, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, wow, I want these needles, and I don't even need injections. <laughs> and, and see, before we had a chance to work together, Kathleen Callender of PharmaJet, who went on to become Business Week's most promising social entrepreneur of 2010, she used to explain what she did. We're a platform for a medical delivery device for subcutaneous inoculations. Are your eyebrows crunched up? Are you confused? <laughs> saying, my eyebrows are not only not raised, my, my, my forehead is furrowed and I'm going subcutaneous. This sounds like Carlsbad Caverns. <laughs> oh, see, Stever, confused people don't say yes. And when we try and explain what we were doing or if we try and tell people, we get those crunched eyebrows and they're gone. So that's why asking gets eyebrows up, especially if we strategically ask questions where I had no idea it was that bad. That was in just Wall Street Journal last week. Really, that's exhilarating. Then we use the word imagine. You know, imagine blank, blank, blank. And they're going, wow, who wouldn't want that? You know, so it's imagine this answer to this issue, this solution to this problem. You don't have to imagine it. We've developed it. And then come in with your evidence and your precedence so they know it's not pie in the sky or speculative. It's a done deal. You're ready to deliver it 60 seconds. So the, so the first three questions, the did you know that this many people, can you tell me a little bit more about what kinds of questions I should use there? 
Yes, in fact, uh, you're thinking, where do I find these questions? Whatever exactly what I'm t- thinking. <laughs> Good. Okay, Stever, you, you deal with people in their careers. So say yes. you're going to write an ebook on how someone could actually land their dream job. Okay. You would go to Google and you would type in, what are startling statistics about fill in your topic? You know, um, percentage of people out of work, percentage of college grads who still uh, don't have a job, uh, number of interviews that go on. And guess what? In seconds, if you just put in what are startling statistics about blank, what is surprising research about blank, what is a recent article about blank, in seconds, you will come up with information that gets your eyebrows up that is startling. So let's say, and we've done this before, my team, we were coming up with an example for the book, Got Your Attention. So we were pretending we were going to write a book on careers. We put in what are startling statistics, and guess what? Did you know that 80% of jobs are never advertised? Did you know that 56% of college grads are still unemployed a year after graduation? Do you know that... Look, look, my eyebrow, as soon as you said that, my eyebrows went up. I'm like, really? See, Stever, you're, 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 show, you're showing us exactly the reaction and our goal. In a world of infobesity, where goldfish have longer attention span than we do, our... <laughs> Really, I mean, Harvard researcher, let's turn that into a did you know. Did you know Harvard researcher Nancy F. Cohen found that goldfish have longer attention spans than we do, nine seconds to hour eight. Did you know that Google found that if a website takes more than four seconds to upload, we're gone? (laughs) So then you would go into imagine if there were a way in an age of infobesity and patience there were specific techniques you could use to quickly and concisely, clearly and compellingly get across your ideas, your projects, your causes, so that people were intrigued and wanted to know more. You don't have to imagine it. Do you see how these three did you knows, imagine, you don't have to imagine it, that can be done in a video. In fact, uh, my client Boots and All, Sean Keener, Put this 60-second video on his homepage, helped him win buy-in to a whole new product. You can use it in a blog. You can use it on your website. You can use it in person-to-person communication. And it is so much better than, here's what I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you, and here's what I told you. Right. And while you're telling me the second two times, I'm going to be on my smartphone checking email because I heard (laughs) it the first time and wasn't really paying attention then either. (laughs) Uh, You got it. You got it. Got it. So what else can you tell me? What other things are you, what's your, your, like your favorite gem from the book? Uh, well, here's one of them. It's, it's like children. There's a lot of gems, but here's one is that I'm going to suggest don't tell and sell, show and ask. So I'm, I'm the judge for something called the dolphin tank, which is like a kinder, more compassionate version of the shark tank. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm looking at the business plans, and this woman is trying to raise money for her business, and it's selling a hook you put in your car to put your purse on. I'm going, really? <laughs> However, Stever, she was so smart, she didn't tell and sell. She hauled a full-size car seat into the Long Beach Convention Center. She brought it up to the front of the stage. She started off with her hands on an imaginary steering wheel, and she said, have you ever been driving along? You had to stop all of a sudden, and your purse fell off your seat, and your cell phone fell under, and you're driving with one hand and trying to rummage. Imagine never having to do that again. 
A guy in the audience stood up. He said, I'll take two, one for my wife and one for my daughter. I thought she went from really to I'll take two in 60 seconds. Here's the technique, a replicable technique everyone can use. Use a prop because if you have a prop, you make us look. We can see what you're saying. We're visually engaged. We're not distracted. Second, act out a problem they've experienced. Put them in the scene of where something went wrong so they voluntarily want your solution to that problem. And I'll start off with, have you ever questions? Have you ever had this happen? And people, yeah, and go, I've, I've been in that situation. That happened to me. And do you see how dialogue again, you've engaged them again. They relate to it. They want to it all in under 60 seconds because you show and ask instead of trying to tell and sell. Excellent. Well, <clears throat> um, let's see. I know that one of the things that you work with on people a lot, and I've seen this on your website and heard you talk about, it, is helping people prepare for TED Talks and TEDx Talks. Mm -hmm. What distinguishes a TEDx or TED Talk from a, I'll say, a normal talk? And, and what of those lessons can we take? Well, first of all, if you are willing to share some of the secrets of how to do a good one, sure. but then how can we take those same things and apply them in our daily lives? Because presumably, if they work well at TED and TEDx, there's something that makes them compelling, and gee, wouldn't we like to be compelling in other areas when we're giving a presentation or pitching our colleagues on an idea or trying to get a job or any of the other things that we've talked about? Steve, you're so right. In fact, Jeff Bezos said the only danger is not to evolve. And I think we need to evolve the way we give presentations. In particular, a TEDx talk is not a download of information. It's not a how-to tutorial. It is much more a sharing of a context story where we had a no, no, no moment or a yes, yes, yes moment. So when I work with clients, we actually have three boxes. And, and it's five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. That gives us one minute for an intro, one minute for an outro, one minute cushion. Now the first box is context. I'm gonna be real quick about this, but here's how we start. I bet you're familiar with Simon Sinek, right? And his start with why? Yep. I, I absolutely honor and respect Simon, and I know that works. What I find with my clients is that if we start a presentation with why, because I wanna make a difference, that can be generic and conceptual. I believe we start with where. Now, here's the example. So Marilyn King is a client. Marilyn is a five-time... Marilyn, Marilyn is one of your clients? Yes. Oh, my yes. God. I don't know if she'll remember me, but I met her at a Women in Leadership conference like 12 years ago, fell in love with her, totally love... Anyway, tell her hi for me next time you talk to her. I absolutely <laughs> will. And so, see, Steve, you know how smart she is, right? Oh, yeah. She's brilliant, and she's speaking on Olympic thinking, and she is brilliant, and what a wonderful example of she really wasn't getting the traction she deserved. I mean, she deserved to have a best-selling book. She deserved to have you know a full speaking calendar, and she wasn't right there. And so what I asked her is, Marilyn, where did you begin? Where did you start? And she said, well, our family didn't have much money growing up, so I swam, and I swam for the why. We always swam against the country club teams. And she's tall and lanky, and they always ridiculed her and teased her until the day she won all her races. And then they turned around and they tried to recruit her. She said, it left such a sour taste in my mouth, I went home and I said, Mom, I quit. Well, her mom was very wise, and she said, you can quit as long as you pick up another sport. So she tried track. And on her first meet, she's getting ready for an event, and the announcer comes on and says, 
we're having the East Coast Championship for the pentathlon. And we only have two contestants, and we need three in order to make it official. Would anyone here like to volunteer? Well, Marilyn looked at her coach. She didn't even know what the events were, but she said, the worst I can do is be third on the East Coast. <laughs> so Stever, she tried it. She loved it. There's no pentathlon coaches. She finds a road by her house. She comes home at night. She tapes a flashlight to the curb so she can see. She puts nail polish on the curb so she can see where she's supposed to hurdle. She realizes a couple months later she's never going to get better racing herself. No one wants to run a road in the middle of the night. She gets a dog. She trains the doctor. I said, Marilyn, that's a fantastic signature story. What an incredible origin context story. And she said, Stever, that's only well. She said, Sam, I'm saying Stever. (laughs) (laughs) She said, that's only the fourth time I've ever told that story. I said, why? Her first speech coach counted her ums and told her that stories have no place in business communication because they're fluff. And I said, Marilyn, I guarantee you, you start with where from now on? You start with that original organic story. When people know where you're coming from, that's when they start to care. That's where you're one of a kind instead of one of many. Guess what, Stever? Ever since Marilyn has started using her context story, people connect with her in the first few moments of the program, and that is how we start a TEDx talk. Excellent. So you're, <laughs> so the first box is where, and just for our listeners uh, to give a little bit of context, um, the one-sentence version of, of what Marilyn King talked about is she was training for the Olympics. She was in a horrible accident and confined to a wheelchair. She went out and stared at the track and mentally rehearsed, actually training. No physical rehearsal. It was all mental rehearsal, like seven hours a day for months. And the first time she got out of her wheelchair was the day of the actual Olympic tryouts, and she made it. So that's one of the reasons I find her such an impressive and amazing person. Uh, But Sam, so the first one is giving context. What are the other two boxes? We have to hire you to find out. Hey, well, no, let's, (laughs) hey, Stever, both you and I believe... We agree with Catherine Graham. Catherine Graham said, to do what you love and feel that it matters, how could anything be more fun? Well, the only thing that's more fun is to do it with people you enjoy and respect, right? So let's let's share ideas, hopefully, that will add value for people. So the second box is conflict. And conflict, you know all about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow said, if we're down here in survival needs, we can't relate to self-actualization needs. So see, if this TEDx talk or presentation is all Pollyanna tied up with a bowl, people down there in Survivor are going, I'm going through a divorce. I can't even hear what you're saying. It's so far away from my reality. Or, or you know, I can't meet payroll or I can't pay my bills. So see, the middle box, the good old hero's journey, has to be a dark night of the soul, has to have where we were tested, a trial by fire, has to have where we had pushback. Because when we give that example of the pushback or the trial by fire, now people in the audience can relate to it. We, they feel like we're credible because it hasn't been all easy for us, right? <laughs> I still remember that day that my trust fund dipped below $20 million because of market fluctuations. <gasps> I was bedridden. Just kidding. <laughs> well, see, Stever, you, what you said is what often happens. It's because here's how I became an Olympic athlete. You know, here's how I made my first million. And people in the audience are going, well, good for you. 
but what's that got to do with me, right? right? So the middle box is we anticipate what the naysayers in the audience would say. We anticipate their rejection or their resistance or their, and, and, and we bring them up in a story of someone who felt the same way because I call it a skeptic success story. If you tell the story of someone who says, well, yeah, easy for you to say, but you don't have to work in my organization. Well, easy for you to say, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Bring up that story because if you don't bring it up, they're thinking it and they're not really listening. They're just waiting for you to stop talking so they can out the room. Got it. And the third box? Is continuity. Continuity now, I believe, we've all had uh, inspiring motivational speakers and we leave and it's wonderful, but then it's like, okay, how can I put that into practice? You know, how can I do something differently? I believe the purpose of a TEDx talk or any presentation is to cause a shift, is to actually give people actionable, useful ideas that they can apply and get real world results. So this is what we say. So here's an idea you can put into practice back in your office. So the next time you're in this situation, ask yourself this. From now on, whenever you encounter that, remember this. Because if we're planting seeds about how they continue to take this idea and put it into practice in their personal and professional life, we're setting up continuity where we're not out of sight, out of mind. We're top of mind and people continue to get real world results from that 18 minutes instead of us being out of sight, out of mind. Nice. Well, Sam, in terms of continuity, I'm looking at the <laughs> clock and I'm realizing, oh my gosh, our time is pretty much up. What is it that you would like us to do next to make sure that we don't just go, wow, that was a great interview with Sam, but we actually take this and use it? How can we, what should we be thinking or asking ourselves? Well, two things, Stevers. Number one, you're welcome to go to my website, which is samhorn.com, S-A-M-H-O-R-N.com, because my TEDx talk is on there. You can get some more of these ideas. We have Inc. articles and Forbes articles and Fast Company articles that you can read with more ideas that we haven't had a chance to discuss that you could apply to make your projects get the eyebrows up. And do we have time for a 60-second story, Stever? Absolutely. Okay, then here's one of my favorite techniques. It's to share what's rare. Jack Welch said, if you don't have a competitive edge, don't compete. Well, you know that my sons grew up in Hawaii and one night we were doing a walk and roll. I was walking, they were riding their bikes and I asked Tom, what do you want to do when you grow up? And he said, something to do with up there. Well, two weeks before I graduated from Virginia Tech, here is an announcement for mission control at Johnson Space Center. He sends me his application. I said, but Tom, it's perfect except you left out that you and your collegiate team won the international competition to put a manned mission on Mars. Stever, guess what he said? <laughs> they wouldn't be interested in that or that wouldn't be <laughs> he relevant? Said, he said, Mom, that would be bragging. Yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm asking everyone, put yourselves in the shoes of your decision makers. What have they seen? Don't give them what they've seen. Give them the one thing they haven't seen that would give them incentive to give you an interview or give you a chance or give you a yes. So see, Tom put down that one thing that was uncommon because George Washington Carver says when you can do a common thing in an uncommon way, you will command the attention of the world. And as a result of sharing what was rare and putting down the one thing no one else could claim, 
Guess who gets to wake up every morning and go into work at Johnson Space Center, where he and his team are responsible for the environment up on the International Space Station. That's pretty darn cool. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, And all of our listeners, let's go find our unique thing that we can bring out there and that that can be uncommon. Check out Sam Horn at samhorn.com and definitely find her book. Got <laughs> the thing is mirrored on my screen. So got your attention. A fabulous book. I've read it. My my team has read it. We all read it and love it. And we have incorporated it because unlike a lot of books that are sort of conceptual and have examples, but then you can't make that final leap about how to apply it. Sam takes you all the way from here's the concept, here's why it works, down to here's the three specific steps. Do this right now with something in your life. And we have had fabulous results and we love it. Sam Horn got your attention. Available in bookstores, independent, Amazon, you name it. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, Sam. I appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. Hope people found it intriguing and useful. I'm sure they did. You've been listening to Steve Robbins and Sam Horn. You can find Steve on the web at steverobbins.com. That's S-T-E-V-E-R-R-O-B-B-I-N-S.com. And you can find Sam Horn at samhorn.com. That's S-A-M-H-O-R-N.com. Thank you for joining us. 